Welcome to Second Time Lucky. I'm Nicole. And I'm Mahi. And we will be your hosts. Throughout this podcast, we will discuss transplant, the process of organ donation, and the ins and outs of my personal heart transplant experience. Just a heads up, some of the content might be a bit triggering. While we aim to keep things quite fun, mortality and medical procedures are discussed throughout the series. Also, a course language warning because we have a tendency to swear like sailors. Sorry! We would also like to say that we are not medical professionals, so please do not seek any medical guidance from the Second Time Lucky podcast, but we do encourage a transplant dialogue. We hope you enjoy listening to it as much as we enjoyed making it. Episode 5, The Transplant Part 1, featuring special guest Nicole's mum, Maria. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Second Time Lucky. Uh, I'm Lucky. And I'm Nicole. And today we have a special guest with us. It is my mum. Hello. (laughs) Her name is Maria. And we thought for this episode we would bring her in just because obviously my memory is a bit hazy and I don't know what happened during my transplant because I was unconscious. So we thought we'd bring my mum in because um, she's the one that was there 24 hours a day and she's the one that can tell it best. She sure can. (laughs) So yeah, alright, so we ended last time saying that I got the call, it felt right, we were flown to Sydney, Mm -hmm. mum take it away. Okay, so we (laughs) arrived approximately around 11.30pm, we were told to catch the taxi to the emergency of St Vincent's Hospital, Mm -hmm. so we did that, We, we got there, the nurses were waiting for us and then it all started, so they took us up to the ward um, we were there to about 4 a.m they came in you signed some papers prepped you up and got you ready to take you into theater around 7 a.m yeah so this was essentially like last time where like i had to have a shower correct um do all of the what's it called like the antibacterial wash i took medication medication for it so they're immunosuppressant that you take pre-transplant mm-hmm. just to avoid Correct. infection and stuff like that. Um, yeah, okay. So I was taken in at 7. So, so did it take that long to do the prep? Like 11, well, I guess by the time you got there, I, would it be like midnight-ish? Think, or was I, there a bit of waiting as well? The waiting is they're bringing the heart in as well. So you've got to remember the heart was not in Sydney. So oh. when we got the phone call, the heart actually came from Brisbane. Brisbane. Oh, so that it's not... So, oh, okay, so they determine in Brisbane whether it's Correct. Uh, a match. Correct. So oh. they determine if it's a match, but then they don't... You don't know that it's viable until, until they bring it to Sydney and essentially take it out and test, test it. it. So that's what happened with my second time. Yeah. Because like I said in the earlier episode... I was taken in and then like last minute I was wheeled in and they were kind of like, this isn't going to happen. So that's obviously what happened in that time. They were testing that heart and obviously realized it's just not healthy enough for transplant. So this time, obviously it was. So they tested the heart. Everything seemed to be okay. And that's when the nurse walked in and said, perfect. We are taking Nicole now. And that was around 7 a.m. Um, so Con and I, her dad, kissed her goodbye and left her alone with Matt, obviously. And then Matt came out of the room and said they've taken her in. So how was I? 
So you were actually very calm. I think we were all waiting for this now. And I think we were all calm. I was a little bit nervous. <laughs> but hey, <laughs> uh, your dad was a, a wreck. <laughs> Shocker. <laughs> <laughs> and Matt was pacing. So yeah, it was it, a traumatic time. Also, we had your two sisters back in Adelaide calling all the time, asking a lot of questions that we couldn't actually answer. Mm. So you were in theatre from 7am to 7pm. Um, no one, I think one person came out halfway through and said everything is going well, but it's taking longer than usual. Did they say before the transplant how long a transplant takes or were you like, between, this is normal amount of time? No. So they said between uh, five, I think four to five hours. So after the five hour, that's when I started to panic. Yeah. There was a phone that you could ring into the uh, theatre yeah. and someone would answer and obviously give you information. That's actually... So yeah, yeah. so we phoned a few times. Well, I phoned a few times, (laughs) but the answer was always the same. Still under theatre, we'll let you know. Yeah. So the information wasn't very um, informative. I mean, in their defence, they're no, they're working. (laughs) Correct. (laughs) Correct. So um, when did you? How many hours had it been before the first time you heard it was going to take longer than expected? Um, I think after the sixth hour. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Uh, a nurse came out and she just said to me, everything's going okay. It's taking longer than what we expected. She's fine. That was it. And then um, I think around the 10th hour, a doctor came out and said, um, we had a few complications. The heart is a little bit too big for Nicole and we have left her open. And she was on full life echo. support echo by then, and um, so echo so is life support. It's like life it's support. So echo. Ev- yeah. Oh, echo. So it's essentially just. Um, I'll get it up so that we can actually say. So it's actually called extracorporeal membrane oxygenation. So it's so it's essentially yeah. a machine similar to a heart lung bypass machine used in open heart surgery. It pumps an oxygen and oxygenates a patient's blood outside of the body allowing the heart and lungs to rest so obviously my body needed it did so they wanted to to keep her like that for we thought initially it was going to take five days so this was on the monday and by wednesday they said we are going to close her up do you mind if I just get back to the heart being too big Mm -hmm. i mean what's the solution for that like sure if we if it's too big so right when heart, they right. said to me it was too big, I obviously straight away thought it's a male heart, not so much a female heart. And that was my initial reaction to that. And that's what we said, why would you put a heart that's too big? But what happens is when you let it rest, it actually falls into its right. So oh. because yeah. the heart was essentially stressed, stressed, I guess from like... Coming out of the, the own, other body. It's also then, like the trauma of... It's original, you know, person's yeah. passing away. I guess yeah. that in itself would be traumatic for your organs. Then having it taken out, then having it tested, mm. I think it was just a bit 
and then like inflamed. It's I exactly guess. right. And that's they do test your like part of the workup. I remember for me was they like measured me and stuff to exactly see how right. big my cavity was because yeah to avoid this. Yeah, hundred percent. That's what. Yeah, that's but, why. That's why it triggered that question. Yeah. So obviously, you know, they do know roughly what kind of size heart will fit in wh- whoever, like the recipient. But because this heart was obviously went through a lot of trauma within such a short amount of time, I think, yeah, would have eventually and relaxed. It did, and went back to its and regular size. And they were size. thinking it was going to take more than a few days you know up to five or six days but it only took two days so that was good so by wednesday they had put her back into theater and closed her off which again then you're thinking of infections and things like that because she's gone back into theater again so that was another complication there with her kidneys not functioning properly so i was in what what was going on with my kidneys exactly okay so your kidneys were not functioning at all on their own so we had to put you on a pump for your kidneys. Dialysis. Di- correct. So you were on the dialysis for your kidneys. And there were pumps. Oh, I don't know what they're called, actually. But there were things going in and out. Not really sure. Is that dialysis? Not the dialysis. There was another machine there as well that was pu- pumping your blood and everything going through your body. Mm-hmm. So you virtually weren't using any of your organs on your own so my body was well and truly just resting it was so they were getting a little bit concerned because by we're wednesday now so we by friday you're still not waking up and they were a little bit concerned so they gave you some drugs to reverse the induced coma yeah thinking that this is going to help but again you were in not waking so Everybody was a little bit concerned. So by Friday afternoon, so they lazy took, you were very lazy. In a coma. Yes, you were. <laughs> you wouldn't even wake up, Nicole. So they took you down for a brain scan thinking something happened there. So mm-hmm. that was another stressful time waiting for that as well. Just again, keeping your, you on dad, your Yeah, you were actually. Because again, your dad had disappeared because he couldn't cope. And Matt went for a walk because he couldn't cope. And then I'm sitting there on my own waiting for these results. And they came back and they were positive, like everything was fine. Yeah. By Saturday, you had a little bit of movement. And by Sunday, you actually opened your eyes, mm-hmm. which was excellent. Was that like, so open eyes and now you're awake? Or was it just open eyes and then went back to sleep? Um, she was very drowsy. She yeah. was not open eyes and go, hey, I'm ready to party. Yeah. She opens <laughs> her eyes. I'm still not ready to party. <laughs> so she opens her eyes and she recognized all of us. Like, oh, I would ask wow. questions okay. and she'll just nod because obviously she had a tube down her throat, a breathing tube, so she couldn't actually talk. But um, she would nod if I say to her, do you know where you are and do you know what happened and things like that. I was like just going to say, did I know what had happened? Yes, you did, which was surprising. Oh, actually, Maria, since you're here, mm-hmm. you're absolutely the person to ask this for. So this is, is this the third time Nicole was in a coma or? Um, so the first time was in her cardiac arrest, the very first time, and she was in an induced coma again for, I think, four days, I think it was. And Nicole had lost a lot of the short-term memory. So she can't remember two weeks, two weeks yeah. of that. Yeah. So I think that was the only time, the, that was the first time, and then the second time is obviously with the transplant. Oh, okay. And uh, in both occasions, did she always know 
yeah. Wants, which is funny yeah. because even the first time when she woke up the doctors were really concerned because obviously we didn't know how much oxygen she had didn't go to her brain the first time so they were thinking brain damage and things like that but Nicole, as you know Nicole she opened her eyes with a smile on her face so <laughs> I sort of knew from then no nah, she's fine so again I asked her do you know who I am and she nodded and do you know where you are and she sort of did she didn't actually know where she was because obviously with the cardiac arrest but um yeah the tube came out and then we were sort of talking to her and she was responding and yeah and then I realized that she had short-term memory loss that I would walk out the room and then she wouldn't <laughs> even remember that I was in there uh. and that went on for two weeks We'll probably have um, one of our other friends on at some stage, but I remember he took offence mm. because um, yeah. he was there like every day, and you're like, yeah. you didn't come to visit me. Correct. Why? Still <laughs> sassy, like straight after like being in a coma, yeah. like still with attitude. Yeah. I'm so sorry. I, I mean, look in my defence. I can honestly say this time though, um, the short memory loss. There wasn't really any memory loss this time. Yeah, I don't I feel like, like you remembered everything. But even now thinking about it, obviously when I was under. I obviously don't remember. I don't... I remember parts of the day that I had my surgery. Mm. Um, like, I remember, like, baking you the cake and, like, yeah. making soup the day that yeah. day. And, like... But I feel like I do have a pretty good... Yeah, I feel considering like... Considering yeah, everything like, that's happened, I feel like... Yeah, I feel like brain's this time... In there. Yeah, I feel well, like this good. time you've done really well. Like, you woke up and you sort of recognised everyone and you knew what happened. And I remember when they took the tube out of your throat a nurse had said to you do you know why you're here Nicole and you said you replied by saying I was given a special gift that I need to look after for the rest of my life oh my god <laughs> yeah. and the nurse That's so profound. Yeah. and the nurse had <laughs> who do I a, think I am yeah and it was amazing because the nurse goes oh, this kid's amazing and that's who she is <laughs> but that was part of Nicole's personality Ew. and then then the real personality came out <laughs> She talks like that after an experience. Mikey, like if my mum said that, <laughs> then you'd stop questioning well, it, all right? her dad was there as well. You guys didn't so. meet him before this podcast. <laughs> no. So, yeah, that was very special. Yeah. That no, was very that's, special. Yeah. That's like from Touched by an Angel. I, like, I, feel, by like, an angel. I just feel like I was a very proud mum that day. Oh, yeah. <laughs> really? Not about the transplant, just that I said something nice. Yeah. Well, I felt like, Great hey, yeah. it was worth it because, you know, she's going to appreciate this now. But, um, yeah, it was funny because then the, you would hallucinate. And that was even funnier. Oh, my God. I, I've heard about the hallucinations. I want to hear about them every day for the rest of my life. Please, Maria, tell us what these hallucinations are. Sure. So, when Nicole... So, Nicole woke up Sunday. So, by Tuesday, the the breathing tube came out of her throat. So, by Wednesday, she could talk. And I always arrived at the hospital probably around 7 a.m. And I walked in and she goes, Mum, you need to tell these doctors and nurses off. And I said, oh, my God, why? What have they done to you? And she goes, they party all night. They put, the, <laughs> they put a disco ball on at night and, it's, and then they turn off the lights and they're having parties and there's a bar and they're drinking and they're just so loud and they have no consideration for us patients. I actually remember, like, seeing, like, my room. So I used to share a room. There was, like, I don't know, a few of us in a room. Four in a room? Yeah, it's a ward. So, yeah, you know, you've so, got... And I remember, like... 
I can't even explain it like a movie when like the room just turns into it's like there's a button like a huge red button and you press the button it turns then like a wall appears <laughs> and like a disco light would come down and like all of these like booths were right in front of me and it was funny because I could still see my legs because I was in my bed obviously and I could still see even like remembering now I could remember seeing my legs like in my gown and like under the blanket and whatever and then I would look around and see nurses that I recognised that I would see during the day mm. and like my doctors and like the ones that were really yeah. even like the, the I- old ones it's that the were ICU like the ICU doctors yeah. yeah and I would see them like clink like with their drinks <laughs> like oh, oh my god so happy to be out of work like and I was like are you guys for real like I'm trying to fucking recover from a huge surgery and also, like they're in Sydney, there's so many bars and clubs <laughs> yeah. like right up on the road, but they're gonna they're gonna build a disco ball into the hospital when all of the <laughs> when they're all asleep or when they think they're asleep. And they got government funding to do this, obviously. Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> obviously. But she literally, she was very upset. She was. Pe- I remember she being. She was pissed. bad. She was very pissed, and I, it took me a while to calm her down and say, "This is not happening, Nicole." But I remember also like what was funny with you was you were never like nick no no you were like well do something about it like talk to someone yeah and so i remember the next day like an idiot i stopped (laughs) this nurse she was like doing obviously like my obs and whatever and i said to her like while i've got you here like i'm so sorry i don't want to like be annoying but i just feel like we need to rest and like you guys, I understand it's hard and whatever, you have a hard job, but, like, can you maybe go elsewhere and not drink and, like, party right in front of us? Like, we're tired. And she was like, what? She was looking at me and I just winked at her and then I took her out and I said to her, hey, she's just hallucinating. (laughs) And the nurse goes, it's fun. (laughs) Let's play with it. But legit, she was like, I'm so sorry. Like, you know what? I might tell the others and maybe we can go elsewhere tonight. And I was like, that seriously, that would be so nice. So, yeah, we we appreciate that. that. We had fun with that. Am I actually for real? As if I actually... And I would never. Like, I don't have the balls to, like... Well, you did. Confront people. Like, actually, I feel like you grew balls over oh, I did. Straight operation. after my transplant. Yeah, I, did, I feel like sure. things had changed. Um, I mean, you were grabbing Matt every time you walked in in front of the doctors and the nurses. Oh, my God. And Con and I were embarrassed at one stage and said, oh, my God, who is this child? Oh. Whose child is this girl? Oh, my God. But, um... Well, you a horn bag in front of yeah, I feel like she was. I don't I feel remember like that. Like I don't probably. I mean, I don't. I, don't I feel like her whole. We Con and I got worried, thinking, "Oh my god, whose personality did she get <laughs> from after the transplant?" But no, it was Nicole's. Um, it was yeah. Just so everyone knows, I settled down. Like I'm not like. No, she's not. Oh. It, it, things did settle down. <laughs> things so, did change. Yeah, I mean. The I remember like I remember that that wasn't a hallucination. I just remember like <laughs> no, you were awake being, through that one. Being weird, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but like the hallucin, like obviously the bar thing was a hallucination. But I remember also laying in my bed and because I had to lay flat, mm-hmm. and I remember seeing like all of these red balloons everywhere, and they had like string attached to them. And I turned, because obviously I was in a lot of pain as well. So, like, I would turn my body and look, and they were attached <laughs> to, like, tails of <laughs> Dalmatian. Dalmatian dogs. Just like every Australian hospital. Yeah. Right? 
Yeah, I mean, and that's she just would a... say, "There's thousands and thousands of dogs in here, Mum. Why are they letting him in ICU?" Yeah, and I just remember thinking, and I remember like, I rem- I like even thinking about it now. I remember the smell of it. Is that yeah. weird? I don't. Yeah, it was funny because and, we made fun of you with that one. And I was well. like, "All right, it's cute, but enough, Mum. <laughs> yeah. Get rid of him. Like, I'm over. I'm tired. I'm just trying to sleep because all I could see was balloons, and the balloons were like." Like rubbing together and like the dogs were loud and I was like oh my god like get rid of them and she was really angry she actually was angry and she was screaming at me to get rid of these balloons but I just thought I'm going to play along with it no point me just sitting here arguing with her how did I think that there were just a million dogs in my room so our doctors and nurses had fun with Nicole I must admit but what, did, what was your response to the balloon thing? I just like, laughed. I said to Nicole, you, we needed to make you happy. This is making <laughs> you happy. <laughs> wow. Yeah, so we played along with it. It's funny, though, because I remember those things like a memory. Not like, oh, that was a weird dream that I had ages ago. That was like, I remember them like I remember all the other things that we're talking well, about. Well, I think you can identify the smell. Is yeah. I think with all the yeah. drugs that Nicole was on and because they put her under twice, you've got to remember in one week as well. So the drugs were very powerful things. So I mean, hallucinations are very, very common yeah, with like after, a big yeah, operation. surgery like this. And all of my, I mean, literally every single one of my transplant friends has a story about their hallucinations, which like we will get into further detail when they're on. Yeah. Um, is it a specific drug that causes them, or is it like the combination, or is it like I'm a combination sure. of the drugs and the just the experience? I, I have no idea. I don't think I we've don't ever know. discussed it with a doctor. I think it was just a very common thing to happen. But yeah. I feel like she was on morphine for pain as well, and then with all the other drugs that they had given her and the anesthetic, maybe, but. God knows. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like we, we never didn't really... discuss it. We we actually didn't discuss it with the doctors. I think we played along with it, but we didn't actually ask why. No. So. And I still have never actually brought no. that up ever to a doctor just to just to actually get a bit of closure and know why that yeah, happened. Yeah, I don't think. I think we sort of let it go once she came out of ICU because that didn't happen again after that. Well, there was a lot. Like I remember having like reoccurring dreams yeah. and like. Things sometimes are a bit scary or like... And you could tell the difference between hallucinations and dreams? I remember the dreams. It's very hard to explain because, like I said, the hallucinations to me now feel like they were a memory. Yeah. So, like, even back then they did too. Whereas the dreams, I can, like, differentiate those. Interesting. Um, but I remember I had the same dream for, like, five nights in a row. Um, and it was scary. It wasn't, like, you know, like crazy or anything but I still do remember that and like it is weird but like I said a lot of transplant patients did have the same experience so I know that it's not I feel like a lot of people not just transplant is through operations and yeah I think yeah the I drugs think just um everything a lot of medication yeah the medication plays havoc on your brain who knows yeah but it but was interesting yeah it was very interesting yeah <laughs> I would have loved to have been there like as <laughs> oh you would have enjoyed it <laughs> I feel like for me, it made me feel a little bit, the the stress of everything, let go a little bit. Yeah, like something funny like, was happening. Something funny so like, was happening yeah. as well, so you're not just focusing on the worst part of the transplant as well. Mm. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, we had to cope with that as well. Yeah. 
But I mean, that eventually subsided. It did. So how long did that last? So like, was that in, that was in the ward? So I remember so that, that being was in, in the, the ward. ICU. No, that was in the ICU. Um, so you were there until Sunday. I think Monday we moved you into a room on your own. Yeah. Again. She'd been in the hospital for a week. So now she's been in the hospital for a week. So you were in another room on your own. Again, it's in the ICU unit, but it's a room on your own with sun as yeah. well. And that's when you were learning to sit up yeah. as well. So you were still having a few days where you would hallucinate or have some dreams, but that was subsiding slowly. Yeah. What do you mean by learning to sit up? Because she was laying flat for so long and muscle, um, it just... Deteriorates. So she had to learn how to walk again and how wow. to sit up. So yeah, that was another dilemma because Nicole, um, like we had Matt there, so Matt would actually lift her up and put her in a chair. Um, I'm just shocked that your body can, that your body muscle can deteriorate yeah. so much. After yeah, this one yeah. Because it, it was it was ten it's days. It's also like not even. It was about ten days. I mean, like even when you're in bed, say like now when you lay in bed for a week if you're sick and you're watching TV the whole time, you're still like getting up and going to the toilet, or you're still like changing position. Whereas when you're in hospital, you're literally not moving a muscle. Like you're especially not doing with Nicole nothing. because she you got to remember she was in an induced coma for so many days and then they had to put her again into an, under anesthetic again to operate and close her up so that was another operation just there again so she did not move a muscle for literally I think 10 days so by the by the time she did wake up and everything it, there was no muscle so we had to learn how to so the physio would come in and move her legs around and her arms and learn teach her how to um, sit up that was the first thing and then we slowly got her up and she had to learn how to walk again so we have a video of her learning how to walk which I was, just remember that being like yeah. the hardest thing yeah. in the whole entire world I remember like physio would come when I went to a ward they'd be like alright I'm here to do physio I was like no I don't want to do physio and they'd be like all you have to do is literally just get up off your bed that is your physio today that sounds so easy now knowing obviously that mm. we're all fit and able to do that but literally like turning having to put my legs over because like but you got to remember you couldn't move your chest at all so i also wasn't so, allowed to move my yeah. arms so i wasn't allowed to use my arms no. for any stability so you, like no. so her arms had to be crossed I had over to her chest literally cross my arms over my chest they actually gave me a towel yeah that they wrapped up with like so she wouldn't move tape them. and were like you need to just hold this towel at all times so that so i had to like get up literally you just have to use your core for everything mm. now i don't have a bloody core <laughs> on the best of days <laughs> so like imagine after losing so much muscle having to just turn your body and get up so no one can lift like my mum couldn't like get my arms and help me like no help me yeah. do that no one could help me. So, like, I couldn't even use the, you know, my hands to move up on my bed or, like, do anything like that. So, even if I was, like, sliding down on my bed, I was like, Mom, you need yeah. to, like, pull me back up because I can't use my arms. I couldn't wiggle. Like, I couldn't do anything. Now, could you could you not use your arms because of the, um, like, deteriorated muscle mass? Or was it no. because it was just... The operation. The, oh, okay. It was just going to put too much strain on your chest. Yeah, so arm. it was because of my sternum. 
like oh. my um my wound essentially yeah um so they say not to what was it? I think it was like a month to not put any, any, any pressure on my I arm. Mean, we wow. were, well, the first two weeks were the crucial time. Yeah. And then gradually we were using the arms because I remember lifting her and she would put her arms over me and put all her weight yeah. onto me so I can lift her and take her to the toilet but and shower her. But in regards her. to me actually but using them to no. get up for stability or no. even like, I couldn't like hold a handrail or something because they were like you're, you're putting too much pressure yeah. on them and I was like what so yeah so like I remember I was in hospital for one month total and I didn't I didn't use my arms for anything essentially like for except for like feeding myself and like I, I don't even think you did that well I, I mean yeah I even yeah I mean weeks. even the first four weeks mum was oh. yeah just because of my tremors but we'll obviously get yeah. into that in a second but um yeah, so I remember even, like, being discharged, and they were like, you can't hold something heavier than, no. what was it, like, I a think kilo when I was not discharged? Even, no, not even a kilo. It was ridiculous. I think, like, your water bottle. Yeah, so mum was like, Nick, can you just pass the milk? I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, mum was like, hang on, no, you can't pass the milk. Don't yeah. touch it. I'm like, oh, <laughs> I don't know. Wow. It, it was do? it was really hard in the beginning. You don't realise how much you yeah. pick up. I feel like, like showering Nicole, because I had to... I was showering Nicole from the hospital. Yeah. So I was doing everything from the hospital to learn to do this stuff when I took her with me into the unit. Yeah. Because it was yeah. only going to be Nicole and myself. Yeah. So you guys had accommodation we did. in Sydney yeah. for your recovery. Yep. So what they do is they have like hospital accommodation. So someone who is, because St. Vincent's is like a transplant hospital. Mm. But they also do like chemotherapy there and stuff like that. And people come from all over to do that kind of stuff. So families and recipients of transplants stay there or like people who are going through chemo or their families, whoever's going to be there for a couple of days, they have access to this accommodation, which costs money, but barely, not, like not much. Not much. And it's I think just it was handy. Like $30, $30 or something. Yeah, but I feel like it was handy for me because it was walking distance to the hospital. Yeah. It's directly behind the yeah. hospital, literally and a five-minute walk exactly. when you're fit and able. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. Um, And because we discharged Nicole after four weeks. Yeah, a month exactly. After the hospital because she had yeah. to learn what medication she had to take, so she had to learn that on her own. Um, so there was a lot of medication that she had to learn. So she had mm-hmm. to learn that. Then we had to learn how to walk. We did physio. Uh, once she did physio and she could actually walk a little bit. Yeah. We were allowed to go home. So they discharged me from the hospital when I was able to go up two steps. That's correct. Yes. Wow. Yeah. So I was every day I did physio twice a day towards mm-hmm. like when I was a little bit better. So I would say like the last two weeks of me mm-hmm. being admitted, I was doing physio probably twice a day. If my physio forgot, it was like the best day of my <laughs> life because <laughs> it would honestly just exhaust me. Yeah. So they would take me for a walk like around the hospital ward. When I say that, like 200 meters max, it, that area was. Wow. Yeah. Um, and so I would walk around, then come back. They might make me do like three squats. When I say squat, I don't mean like a gym squat. I mean like literally just bend your leg two centimeters and see wow. what you can do. Um, and I remember they gave me like these little step. What are they? What are they called? Those little like um, 
steps that you see at the gym, they're like this big and they had them in front of my bed. And she was like, can you step oh, on they're that the stepping, step? the stepping thing. Yes. Yeah. And she would be like, all right, step on that and then put your leg backwards and step down. Step on that, put your leg backwards and step down. And when I could do that, they said to me, we're not really, we don't feel comfortable discharging people unless you can step up an actual, a real step. And so there was like a fire escape near my room. And so the physio would take me. I remember Matt came a few times because he was very like, you got this. Like, and I needed him in case I fell down the stairs. So, yeah. um, and the, the physio literally said, if you can do two steps, I'll discharge you. And you don't need to go to, there was like a, what was it? Like an external rehab. Yes. Where sometimes if you're not like, if you yeah, if you haven't if, done your proper physio, if they don't feel like you're, you're good yeah. enough to be discharged, they send you. It's across the road from the hospital. Yeah, and it's basically, like a, it's a rehab center. And it's a rehab center, so, so she would have like, had to do that yeah, so while if, she was discharged. If you're medically okay and yeah. don't need the hospital anymore, but you're not physically where you should be, they'll take you to a rehab center. And I said to mum, "I'd you rather would, die than but, go there." And because I'm she would have had to stay there oh. on her yeah. own. Oh, yeah, and that why was couldn't you be there with no because it's a rehab center. So it's like you so, get up, they do physio with you all yeah, day. I could visit, take you to the gym. Oh. Like it just to me sounded Even like at your best health. Like, yeah, that school, is like, my that worst like nightmare. <laughs> yeah, legit. So I was like Matt, because my mom was so lenient <laughs> with me. Like she was honestly so lenient. Like mum would be like, "Did you want to go for a walk?" I'm like, "Nah, fuck that." She was like, "All right, cool." <laughs> or like if Matt was like come on Nick let's go for a walk I'd be like yeah nah Thebes and he'd be like get up we're gonna go for a walk and then like you can have a chocolate when you come back I'm like alright I'm coming let me get my shoes like so like mum was very lenient and so like when Matt was there I used it really to my advantage to be like you need to push me I'm gonna scream at you and I'm gonna call you names but this is how I'm gonna get discharged without having to go to rehab were you comfortable with that? Like the idea of just two steps was enough for rehab? Or were you kind of like, oh, I would feel more comfortable if I could stay? Um, I knew that I didn't want to go to the rehab centre. Yeah. I think also medically I knew that I was okay to be discharged, but I, I wasn't ready to I be discharged. I feel like yeah. both of us weren't ready. Yeah. Because she was supposed to be discharged on the, mo- on the Friday. And we said, um can we just leave it until Monday? And then we said Tuesday and then they go, enough. She needs to go home. Well, it was funny because every time a doctor would come, my first question would be like, when can I go? Please, Ah. let me discharge. Let me go. Let me go. And then one day I remember like, again, in the morning, I was like, can I go? And they were like, actually, yeah. You can go tomorrow. (laughs) And I looked at mum and I was like, I don't want to (laughs) go. I think it just hit me that like, I wasn't going to have like 24 hour surveillance. Like, I also don't have my defibrillator anymore. I think that was the biggest thing. Yeah, so I did Mm. not have any, like, security anymore. If something was to happen to my heart, that's it. Like, I've already survived two cardiac arrests. I don't think I'm lucky enough to survive three. Like, in my mind, I was like, what if something does happen? And, like, mum's in the shower or, like, we're not home where, like, Matt's there and my dad's always there and my sisters are there and there's family 24-7. It's just me and my mum now. So, like, what if something happens? And I guess because, like, previously, before your transplant, whenever you'd gone to the hospital, it was to be monitored, but nothing was... You weren't ever getting any answers. So you yeah. were kind of already in this habit of just being like, yeah. all right, you saw me, let me just go. But yeah. this is the first time that something's actually coming. But also we had the defibrillator yes. as a backup. I also did have the defib. So yeah. I feel like that was 
a bonus. And well, I mean, in saying that, the defibrillator didn't did work. Yeah. Not work <laughs> one of the times. That once was enough. It, it was. To traumatise um, me. This but... time I felt like I was in the same boat as Nicole. Do I know what to do if something happened? Even though I did know what to do the first time. Yeah, and I mean, it's uh, not that I doubted your ability. I just was like... Well, I think I doubted my I'm ability. I'm scared <laughs> to, like... It's also like, you have to remember, when you're in hospital, I had, like, a halter monitor on 24-7. The only time I didn't wear that was when I was in the shower. And I was in the shower for what five minutes. What do you mean by a halter monitor? So a halter monitor is essentially, like, an ECG machine, which is where, like, all the stickers. So your heart rate... Is, is hooked on. Hooked on to a ner- the nurse's station. So whenever, like, in the middle of the night if something would happen or, like, if my heart rate went really high or really low, a nurse would just, like, casually come in and be like, you feeling good? Something was a bit funny on your on your monitor, but I can see you. You're fine. Mm. Cool. I'll be like, yep, sweet. How often would that happen? Um, so after transplant, it actually takes a long time for your heart um, to kind of, like, become accustomised to your body. So I remember when I first came out, my heart rate was very high and they were actually quite worried and they talk, they spoke about putting a pacemaker in. Yeah, and that's After no, transplant. Yeah. yeah. So that's actually not that uncommon. A friend of oh. mine had that done to her, but I really didn't want one. And I said to them, no, I'm not. I said, please, I know my body. I feel like it'll, like... My body will be fine. Like, just give it time. And they're like, all right. But, like, if it doesn't, we're going to have to maybe potentially put a pacemaker in. And I was like, okay, all right. And I said to mum, like, no, I'm not letting them do that. I'm I'm simply not doing that. Yeah. And I remember, because my heart rate was, like, 120 just Mm. when I was sitting down. And like I said, with the halter monitor, there's a TV and you can see your thing. Yeah. So it wasn't really like out of sight, out of mind, because I was staring at it. And yeah. I was like, oh, mom, like my heart rate is still 120. Like, what is wrong with me? What's normal for heart rate? I mean, between like 60, 60 and 80. to 80. Is, Whoa. Yeah. Whoa. Okay. Yeah. Wow, that's a massive difference. Yeah. So like, that's like exercise yeah. rate. When I'm just sitting here doing that, I, can be, I can't walk, let alone exercise. Yeah. So like, they said like, this is a possibility. We're not saying we're going to do it, but if things don't subside, we're going to have to do it. And I was just very not... I'm traumatised by my pacemaker and my defib, so no, like, I'm not doing it. Um, but then the opposite happened, and my heart rate went very slow. So I remember when I would sleep, doctors would rush in and be like, are you okay? And they'd bring, like, an ECG machine. Whoa. And, like you know, like, do all the tests, and I'm like, what the, I'm fine, what's going on? And they'd be like, your heart rate went to 40. Oh, my God. And I'm like, what? The other day it was 120 (laughs) when I was just bloody watching TV. And so, yeah, it did take a really long time for it to kind of just be normal. Touch wood now. Were you watching Grey's Anatomy? Is that why it was 120? No, I don't think so. (laughs) I also remember, like, the, the, one of the diet, no, not the Dutch, the speech pathologist came in. After I had my tube taken out, mm. she was like, you're talking too much. <laughs> and because I was always on the phone. I mean, when Matt was there especially, I just would not shut up. Yeah. Obviously, with my mom and my dad, I was just, like, excited to be alive. So yeah. I was just like... <laughs> yeah, she didn't shut up. <laughs> I really did not shut up 
And so they were like, maybe you're talking so much and you're getting very like excited. Maybe that's why your heart rate is going up. <laughs> and I remember she came in and she was like, you need to stop talking. <laughs> For medical reasons, just shut up. And I was like, oh my god. <laughs> so yeah, I I mean it did subside, <laughs> and I did shush for a day. Long that lasted. <laughs> for um, a day. Yeah. So I mean, but yeah. So like, I'm very lucky that I got to avoid that because, like I said, a friend of mine did end up getting a pacemaker, and a pacemaker is not the end of the world either. Like, yeah. it's just when you come out of surgery and you just get rid of your pacemaker and defibrillator, the last thing you want yeah. is to have another procedure to have one put in. Like, and your friend no. that the pacemaker, did they have a defibrillator before their transplant? Yeah. Oh, okay. So she also had a defibrillator. I don't think hers shocked her much. I remember hers was, um, she had one that was faulty. Oh and so hers God. used to shock her, not all the time, but when it did shock her, it wasn't, like, warranted. So, like... At least mine, I knew that my heart was, was in a bad rhythm yeah. and it yeah. was doing what it needed to do. Whereas it was worse for her because she would just be like walking down the street feeling fine and she'd get shocked. <gasps> so oh my she God. was just as traumatized as I was. And even now when I speak to her, she's like, oh, you know, she doesn't have a defibrillator now. So a pacemaker yeah. and a defibrillator are different. Because a pacemaker doesn't shock you. It just No, it just pace, pace right? Yep, that's heart. right. Um, so she's like, as long as I don't have a defib, I don't really give a shit. Okay. Like, I'm happy to have a pacemaker, but I was just very against it. And obviously, yeah. if the doctor said that it was absolutely necessary, I would have done it. But yeah. like, I didn't want one. Yeah. So, yeah. But I think that's also why we were very hesitant to be discharged because I was like, I don't have any backup. Like, yeah. I've got nothing. I think it's from coming from Adelaide with a defibrillator and what dilemmas we were going through and yeah. then having the transplant and then all of a sudden after four weeks ago, okay, now you can go. Thinking, hang on a minute, what am I doing? Because I'm just going to be left alone with Nicole. Yeah. But by saying that, where we were staying, you can just call the hospital and some a doctor would come straight away because it's only walking distance. So yeah. that was handy to know. And they did... Um, make us feel a little bit more comfortable when they did mention that. So that was good. Yeah. But when you got discharged, you were still going to the hospital quite frequently. Every day. Every single oh, day. Okay. Every yeah. day. Legit every single day. Yeah. yeah. I feel like at first that was kind of comforting for both of us. Mm. And then it just got annoying. And then I was like, I'm fine. <laughs> I'm ready to go home. Like, yeah. enough. So I had like, I don't remember the days, but I think it was like Monday, Wednesday were like bloods, x-rays, doctor visit and then Tuesday and biopsy so we had biopsies on Mondays with bloods yeah um and um hospital like um what do they call triage triage so the the doctor visits yeah and then we had physio and then we also both had to see well you had to see the psychiatrist yeah and I had to wait outside and then we both had to do seminars so what they do because they think it's not only the physical side of things, it's the mental side of things. And so the carer plus the patient need to do a seminar where they, you all sit in a room and they talk to you about how are you coping through this ordeal. So the yeah. carer, so most carers, so there was, a, I think, about 10 other people in that room. Yeah, there was like 10, like, couples of people. So, yeah. like... 
So they're carer plus the patient. Yeah. And it could be a lung... Tra- um, the majority were lung transplants. They were all hearts right? and lungs, but majority yeah. were hearts. So yeah. we were sitting there, Nicole and I, and to be honest, we never fought. We, if anything, we bonded a lot more. Yeah. And we had a good time. No, like not we, we, we would joke and have fun. So the other carers would come in and say, when did this mood change? Yeah. When- Do you want to kick your patient's ass? <laughs> and I was like... Mum, do you want to get And she was like, no. I was like, are you bullshitting? Like, I feel like everyone here yeah. is literally saying that they hate. So they were hating their, their patients. Or like, their, so they were, it was either, it was usually their partner. Yeah. So like, yeah. you know, sometimes the husband would take care of the wife or vice versa. There was, I think, a daughter and a, mm. no, a son and a, a son mum. and a mum. They yeah. as well were very pissed they were off bad. at each other. They were really bad. They weren't even talking to each other. And then yeah. Nicole and I just sat there listening to it and I'm thinking, oh, I feel all right. Well, I also <laughs> kind of felt like shit because I was like, am I putting this on my mum? Like, I didn't think I was bad. <laughs> <laughs> to be continued in the transplant part two.